0: Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. So in the passage that was just read, uh, we heard about these, these 12 spies. 12 spies got selected, they get sent into the land of Canaan to scout it out. They actually scouted out about 500 miles of land. Over 40 days. See, Israel here, the land of Israel, they're preparing to take a huge risk. They're preparing to trust the Lord and go into the promised land. Lots of unknowns right at their doorstep. What is a risk, though? I mean, they're preparing this huge risk, and we we say that word a lot, but what is a risk? And we're going to be talking about risky faith uh, this morning and next week. What is a risk? Well, a risk is an action that exposes you to the possibility of loss or injury. Doesn't sound very nice. If you take a risk, you could lose money. You could lose friendship. You could lose health. You could lose your reputation. You could even lose your life. Now, you may also be endangering others and cause them loss or injury. That's a risk. Now, risk also has a side of success and victory thrown in there. But usually, we focus on the negative and and the sounds of loss and injury. Now, whether we realize it or not, we take risks every single day, all day long. Some are larger than others, but our lives are full of risk. You get in the car and you drive to work. It's a risk. You're not quite sure what could happen. Or you go to school and there's that girl that you kind of like. And you try to talk to her. There's a big risk. Never know how she's going to react. Perhaps an even greater risk is trying the latest Taco Bell menu item. Just, you just never know what's going to happen there. Then, I mean, you, other risks. You can go skydiving. That's a risk. Other risks include changing careers, moving cities, changing schools. You know, all, there's, there's so many things wrapped up in all those unknowns. But you see, a life full of risk isn't bad, isn't wrong. It's actually normal, it's right, and it's good. One man has said that a life without risk is actually no life at all. And so today and next Sunday in this short little mini-series, I want us to look at the idea of risk in regards to our faith. We're going to look at some passages. We're going to look at some characters who trusted God deeply, and therefore they took great risks for Him or we're willing to take great risks for Him, as we're going to see. And my hope for today is that we're going to see that God's people, Christians, believers, we're called to hold on to God's promises and to take risks by faith. We're called to have risky faith. So, we're going to speed through chunks of chapter 13 and 14 of the book of Numbers, and uh, it's going to be a little bit of a time to buckle up. I'm going to pause it sometimes, and I'm going to zoom through other times. So, are you ready? Ready for two chapters and one one sermon? Some nods and one yes. Okay. Well, here we go. Jump down, back down to chapter 13 of Numbers, verse 25. Okay, so they've come back now. Here we go. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. Okay, that's a lot going on right now. Let me just do a quick context review, a catch-up of where we are in the story of God, the story of Israel. So, um, Israel was enslaved to Egypt for a very long time, and, and God raised up Moses as a leader, as a deliverer, to get them out of Egypt. And then the ten plagues, Maybe you're familiar, ten plagues, okay, Passover, angel of death, And then they lead them out of Egypt. And then they they cross the Red Sea. God splits open the sea. They walk across on dry land. And they're saved and they're delivered from slavery. And they come to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where God visibly shows up at this mountain and talks to Moses and gives the Ten Commandments. And he enters into this covenant with the people and says, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. I'm going to take you from now with these commandments into this promised land land and so this is where we're at they're very at the edge of the promised land they've come through all of that finally released from slavery here we go excitement anticipation is building send out the spies here we go and then the spies come back and they give a mixed report the spies say yes the land is great there's abundant produce look here's some of it and they bring back this giant cluster of grapes that they had to carry on a pole it's huge but then there's this however or, or a but. Any of you ever had a conversation with somebody and they're explaining a bunch of good things then they throw in a but. And then they get to the, the bad news. Hey, you're doing really great at work and we love that you're on time and punctual and this kind of this. But we're downsizing. Oh, right? That but, that however. And, and they have a big however, a big but here. Here we go. There's lots of strong people on the land. There's too many fortified cities. Yes, it's a pretty country, But the people are too big, they're too strong, it's too risky, too scary, we can't do it. Right on the edge. And it's here at this time, Caleb, one of the spies, he speaks up, he tries to rally the people. And so that's that's the first point this morning, if you're taking notes. uh, Risky faith seeks to rally others. Risky faith seeks to rally others. Look at verse 30 of chapter 13. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. At first glance at the verse, it might look like Caleb is trying to rally them with his own kind of macho bravado, like, come on guys, we're super strong, we can do this. But that's actually not the case. See, Caleb was in Egypt with Israel when they were slaves. Caleb saw everything that God had done, the ten plagues, the deliverance, the Red Sea, everything. He had seen God at work. He believed God's Word. And he trusted that God was going to give Israel this land. So he had faith. And so he is willing to go forward. He's willing to take the risk of entering the land with all the unknowns. And he does his best to try to rally Israel. He's trying to inspire faith and courage. And did you know what? Christians as believers, followers of Jesus, were called to do the exact same thing. We're called to rally each other, to inspire faith. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're called to find ways to stir one another up to love and good deeds, to to be creative And how can we encourage one another, especially as we get closer and closer to the day that Jesus comes back. And especially when there are risks, especially when there are unknowns. Caleb does this, and we're called to do this, to say to somebody, don't give up. Don't give up. Let's try again. Remember what God has done. We've seen God at work. Right? How many of you here need reminders of what's true? Any hands? There's some hands. We all need reminders of what's true. We all need people to rally us because we are prone to forget the goodness of God. How many of you here have ever experienced or ever seen Jesus at work in your life or anyone else's life? Anybody? Okay. A few people have experienced God do something in their life or someone else's life. You know what you need to do with that? Rally others with that. Testify to what God did in your life or in their life and bring encouragement. Share the stories. There was a risk. I didn't know what was going to happen and it was confusing and I was a little bit scared. But I trusted. I took this step of faith. And look at what Jesus did. Tell that. Because I need reminders. I'm up here. And some of you may be like, oh, he's the pastor. He knows what's going on. No. I need reminders. I forget too. And when I hear stories of Jesus alive and working in people's lives, that builds courage and builds faith in my life. I had the opportunity. I was so thankful Uh, this past Wednesday. A whole bunch of different people shared about different things that are happening in the city of Windsor. And it's a huge boost to my faith. Wow, God is at work. There's all this going on. It encouraged me, again, to persevere. Because I need reminders. I need to trust God with all the unknowns. Like a third baby coming in February. I've got to trust God. Amen. Yes, I do. Some of you with three or more kids are like, yes, you do need to trust God. Get ready for it. But unfortunately, Caleb's efforts to rally the people prove unsuccessful. Because the fear-filled report of the other spies spreads into the camp and takes root. Second thing this morning. Second point. Fear and doubt can kill risky faith. Fear and doubt can kill risky faith. Look at verse 31 and 32. The men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. We can't do it. So now, chapter 14, verse 1. Look at the effect. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the leaders of the nation. The whole country turns against them. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. What? What? Really? Like, their conclusion is not just to turn tail and run, but to go back to Egypt. The fear-filled report of these ten spies spread throughout the nation so quickly that Israel doubted God's word. And they chose to live by fear and doubt. They chose to live by sight instead of by faith. It's incredible to me how quickly not only the report seeped through everything, but then how quickly the entire nation was ready to ditch the whole plan. They're on the edge of the land, ready to go in, and they're like, "No, nope, let's choose a new leader and go back to being slaves or, or die. That's better than what's going to happen. Dying in slavery is better than anything that's going to happen right now. Caleb and Joshua, two spies out of twelve, they're willing to take the risk. They're willing to live by faith. The other ten spies, they lead Israel into horrible consequences. Ten people. Ten people, that's all it took to lead two million. Two million people is the size of Israel approximate at this time. Two million people. These ten spies doubted God's word, so that leads Israel to be discouraged, which led to them defying God's will and directly disobeying God's command to enter the land. And we see here so clearly the devastating impact that fear and doubt can have as the entire nation goes again from anticipation and excitement to wishing they were either dead or slaves. Fear just came right in and replaced faith. Fear and doubt, they come, like I said, living by sight. They come from living by our own understanding, our own picture of how we've got things figured out. Our ways, our perspective, trusting our abilities in different situations, which is exactly what we're called to do, right? Wrong. We're called to do the exact opposite of that. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. So you don't trust in your own intelligence or your own strength, your own charisma. Trust in the Lord. And don't lean on your own understanding. Because stuff isn't going to make sense sometimes. Move forward trusting the Lord. And so we have to ask ourselves, each of us, maybe this morning, am I one of these people that that seeks to rally others? Am I rallying people to, to trust God? Or am I somebody who spreads fear and doubt? Am I somebody who maybe looks at these situations and brings discouragement to God's people. Where am I at? Which one? And maybe, it's, maybe you're, you're both sometimes. Maybe you're spreading faith and spreading fear and it's alternating as different circumstances hit you. fear sees problems. Faith trusts the problem solver. Did you get that one? Fear sees problems. Faith trusts the problem solver. And as we move forward in this story, you're going to see Moses, Aaron, Caleb, and Joshua, these four leaders, they try one more time to convince the people to trust God. Verses 5-9 to nine of chapter 14, it says, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, Caleb the son of Jethunah, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy it out. It is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land. For they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them. And catch this. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Come on, guys. What are you thinking? Like, let's go. It's a great land. Don't rebel against God. Trust Him. Don't fear the people. Why? Not because they're so smart, but because God is with us. Don't be afraid. God's with us. Let's go. Unfortunately, their efforts also fail. And if it wasn't for God visibly showing up at that moment at the tabernacle... They would have been killed by the very people they were leading. Look at verse 10 of chapter 14. So they just said, don't fear the people, trust the Lord. And The response is, all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Let's find rocks and let's throw them at them until they die. That's their decision. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. Good news for Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb that God showed up. Bad news for Israel, actually. Because God appeared and pronounced judgment on them. Judgment for their lack of faith and for fearing the people and for not trusting him and his word. The judgment is that Israel was going to have to wait 40 years before they'd be allowed to enter the land. 40 years of wandering in the desert. And that everybody that was 20 years old, anybody 20 years old or older? Anybody here? If you're over 20 years old? Yeah, in Israel, anybody 20 or older was going to die during those 40 years of wandering, and only people under 20 were going to inherit the land. The children are going to inherit the land. And so it's a little bit ironic, because Israel was afraid of the people in the land, and they thought, hey, if we go in there, those, those armies are going to come, those peoples are going to come and kill our wives and our kids. But it's actually the kids who are going to be the only ones left alive to inherit the land, because of their lack of faith. Caleb and Joshua, the only two exceptions, uh, because of their risky faith and their good report of spying the land and trying to rally the people, they get to go in. Forty years. Forty years that Israel had to think about their rebellion. Forty years to dwell on that mistake. Forty years to wander the desert waiting to die and not inherit the land. Forty years of saying, if only we had trusted God. If only we had trusted God, imagine the blessings that we could be experiencing in that beautiful land. The question for us is, how many blessings are we going to miss out on because of our fear? How many blessings would we miss out on because of our doubt, our lack of faith, our fear of men? Because of not clinging to God's promises. These four guys... They clung to God's promise. They were clinging to God's promise and that's why they were able to have risky faith. That's the third thing this morning. Risky faith clings to God's promises. Risky faith clings to God's promises. You might say, well, well, what promise were they clinging to? It was the promise of Israel getting into the land. A promise that God initially spoke to Abraham way back when. Genesis 12, 15, 17, he reaffirmed it. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to make you a great Name, and You're going to have a great nation and you're going to have a land. And this promise is reaffirmed over and over and over again. Exodus 32.12, it's spoken again explicitly. And Moses, Aaron, Caleb, and Joshua, they're hanging on to this promise. They're, they're, they weren't these perfect guys. They all made mistakes. But when an entire nation, two million people against four, they remained steadfast because they believed and knew that God was with them. God will bless risky faith. He will. Even when the odds are ridiculous. Caleb and Joshua, they got to realize the promise and settle in the land because of their risky faith. So I want us us to be clear. I want want you to understand me. I'm not not calling us, I'm not encouraging us to be Moses or, or Joshua or Caleb or Aaron. I'm not telling us to do that here this morning because we, we actually can't be them. We're not them. They, they were then and they died. They're not, right? We're, we're us here today, the gathering. What I'm encouraging us to do, each one of us, is to trust the promises of the Lord. To have faith, not in our own abilities, but to seek the Lord and His power and His abilities and to trust Him and His promises. To face risk with courage. Again, not because of us, but because of Christ in us. And you might say, alright, you know, they were willing to trust, they were willing to take a risk, they had this promise to cling on to, but what, what about in Windsor in 2016? What promise do we have that we can cling to? Are there promises for the gathering today? Yes, there are actually many, many promises for each and every believer. I'm just going to talk about one today, one specific promise that should motivate risky faith in every single believer on the planet. It should. Matthew twenty eight, eighteen to 20. It's going to come up on the screen. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And you might say, wait, that doesn't really sound like a promise. That sounds like a command. And maybe your Bible it says right on there, the Great Commission. That is the mission of the church to go do. It is a command. But it's a command with a promise. Did you catch the end of verse 20 at the very end? Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's the same truth. It's the same type of promise that these four guys were hanging on to. Numbers 14.9 says, The Lord is with us. Matthew 28.20 I will be with you to the end of the age. This is a promise that I want us to talk about a little bit. Last week, we, we heard about how and why a church should multiply and seek to make disciples. But today, I want us to see that Jesus promises to be with us as we go out to make disciples. It's a promise. I'm going to be with you as you do this. I'm going to be with you as you take risks to spread the Gospel, to expand the Kingdom, to grow the Church. I'm going to be with you. Isn't that encouraging just a little bit to know that the Lord of the universe who creates stars all over the place is going to say, I'm going to be with you as you step out in faith and try to make disciples. Isn't that a little bit encouraging? It, It should be increasing our faith even right now. It should be increasing my faith even right now. He has promised to be with us. As we seek to carry out His mission. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you guys. And so then, towards us, our response is, are we going to believe the Lord's promise? Are we going to live by faith and we're going to take risks? Or are we going to live by fear and doubt? Israel chose fear with dire consequences. They chose not to cling onto God's promises. But you see, the life of a Christian, Christianity itself, is a call to live by faith. To not have all the answers. To take risks, trusting Jesus all along the way. I mean, okay, I'm up here. I do not have all the answers. I cannot even tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. But God can. God knows exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. God knows every single detail of everything that's going to happen every single day for all eternity. So don't trust me. Trust Him. He knows what's going on. And, and guess what? Making disciples, that's His idea. That's His plan. And He's going to help us to see it through. It's not Pastor Phil's idea. we got to, let's go, let's do this. It's God's idea. And trust me, you would rather have a promise that Jesus Christ is going to be with you, then Pastor Phil's going to be with you. (laughs) Jesus is way better. Okay? He's calling us to take steps of faith. To have risky faith. To trust His Word. So let's be people. Gathering, let's be people who live by faith. Let's be people who take risks for the Lord. Let's be people who hold on to God's promises. People who don't fear what men are going to do, what they're going to think, what they're going to say, how they're going to react. Why? We don't fear them because we know that the Lord is with us. He has promised to be with us. So let's take courage from that. Let's know and go for it. He's with us. Let's take risks. Let's have risky faith. Let's pray together. Father God, You are incredible. You know everything. You know exactly what's going to happen today. You know exactly the different things that people are facing right now. What their week has been like. You know exactly what they need. And each one of us If we're honest, we understand that we need you. We need to trust you. Some of us may be smarter than others in this room, but it doesn't matter how smart we are. We can't figure everything out in life. We need to trust you. There are things that come at us, risks and opportunities and things that should scare us sometimes. But I pray that you would work, Jesus, in each one of our hearts to give us faith instead of fear that You would motivate, stir up in our hearts the desire to step out in faith, to take risks, to spread the Gospel, to make disciples, knowing that You are with us every step of the way. Encourage us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.